All right, today on the show, we are chatting with Dom Scott, a Olympian and now a 227 marathoner. Dom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've uh, been stalking your Instagram for a little <laughs> bit now because you guys were some of the lucky people to get a pair of the new Adidas racing shoes. So uh -huh. um, yeah, I'm very <laughs> jealous and I'm excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, I, it blows my mind that you don't have a pair. I know. I was. It's definitely like a, a sore spot. Um, I do realize that Adidas only, you know, produced a very small amount. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I can be honest. It definitely. I understand the reasoning, but it definitely was like hard putting so much blood, sweat, and tears into the Chicago Marathon, and then seeing like influencer accounts get their <laughs> shoes before I seeing, even got them. Seeing, yeah, seeing I, me yeah, run my eight-minute miles like, in them. Yeah, as a pair, which is outrageous. I would yeah. totally get that. Even in our household, uh, since Megan is the fast one, yeah. she was a little, she was a little butt hurt. She didn't get them, and uh, that I was the one who got them. But you know what? With that, there is a lot of pressure because. You know, I can't run as fast as you guys. <laughs> so I get all the crap for what a waste uh, Adidas did by sending you the shoes. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I would have felt more pressure if I had been one of the yeah. to get a pair of the shoes. So there we go. It all worked out. Yeah. Plus, I actually, I like the Pro 3 uh, yeah. quite a bit. So. I do too. I do too. And I think, you know, I think the shoe... On, on one hand, I think what would have been cool if I'd been given them is I wouldn't have felt any, I wouldn't have been nervous about wearing them because I think they're pretty similar to the Pro 3s except for the weight. Um, so I think it would have been an easy transition. I don't think I would have had to do, you know, uh, like a long run in them to test them out. But then at the same time, like, yeah, they are so similar. It's just lighter. So, and I, and I love the Pro 3. So I wasn't, yeah. I, and if I, it helps at all, I wore yeah. them on a rainy day for uh, a run for yeah. like a, a half marathon and they were it was a little slippery a little slippery yeah well there I mean, wasn't a rain in chicago but <laughs> yeah the the grip on the front is good the the in the rain i can see why uh when they're in berlin they chose to go with the one with the continental mm -hmm. outside yeah. just because uh, a little better grip but yeah. i mean enough about the shoe it is nice <laughs> it's beautiful it's lightweight and all that but let's let's talk about you yeah, so Dom, before we talk about Chicago, because I obviously want to chat all about that race, um, since this is your first time chatting with us on the show, I'd love to just like, let's talk about young Dom. So I know obviously you're from South Africa. Tell us about childhood. When did running enter your life? All that good stuff. And, and feel free to really lean heavy into the accent. <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll try. I needed I needed to like have a call with my sister or my mom or dad before this, and then my my husband Cameron always says it comes out when I speak to my family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Dom Scott from Cape Town, South Africa. I was born and raised there, um, and I loved sport growing up. Like sport was just it for me. Like my favorite subject was PE, and then I would fit in as many sports as I could into my like daily schedule. I was doing at least one one sport discipline before school and then two or three after school. Like oh, wow. I really, really filled my schedule with as many sports as I could. Um, in South Africa, 
you could play multiple sports in a season because we'd you would probably have like two practices a week and then the match or the race on the weekend. So I was able to in the winter play. We have netball and field hockey, and I would do cross country. And then in the summer months, um, I was playing tennis. I was doing team swimming. I was doing water polo, and I was doing triathlon、um, whenever the seasons lined up. So yeah, I really just. Like I freaking love sport.、Um, I love the team sports environment as well. Like that, that was so fun for me. I just felt like I was playing with my friends,、um, and I was decently good at most sports. Like I was in South Africa, we call it a team. I was a team for most sports, and I would be trying out for like the provincial team, or in the states, you would call it like the state team、travel. to represent your state. Yeah, yeah. travel team,、um, and. But then I kind of like got to a point where、um, I guess I was getting older, and there were more commitments, and practices were getting more serious, and I kind of needed to start making a decision. And it was kind of around that time, grade eight or nine, which is the start of high school in South Africa, that I realized that. Running was the sport that was probably going to take me the furthest. So in grade eight, my mom entered me in my first track race. I'd only done cross country up till that point, and it was a fifteen hundred, and I loved it. I mean, comparing track to track to cross country is just you know it's a different world, and it just kind of felt like I was flying on the track because I wasn't trudging through、uh, like uneven grass and mud, and it was just so fun and so freeing. So after that, my mom looked for a coach that could coach me for track、uh, specifically, and we found this coach that was coaching high school aged athletes out in Stellenbosch, which is about a fifty to an hour minute fifty to one hour、um, drive outside of Cape、oh, Town. And his name was Johan Furie. He was the former South African record holder in the fifteen hundred.、Oh. And anyway, so. About twice to three times a week after school and my other sports, my mom would drive me out to train with Johan and his other athletes. This was grade eight and nine, and then, and I was loving it. I really enjoyed training with、um, these other athletes. I loved training with Johan, but I did realize that if I wanted to take running even to the next level, that I would need to be training with Johan in this group every day of the week. Not just two to three times a week, and I couldn't be coming to his practices exhausted from my other sports. So that was when I made the decision to move out to Stellenbosch and、wow. become a weekly boarder. It was only an hour away, but in South Africa, that wasn't something—a trip that you would do on a daily basis to go to school.、Yeah. Um, so I moved out to Stellenbosch, became a weekly boarder, and in this was the middle of my grade nine year, and then in grade ten. I decided to drop all my other sports and really put all my、um, kind of eggs in the running basket, and yeah, it paid off because after、um, graduating high school, I was offered a couple of scholarships over here in the states, and I chose to come over to the University of Arkansas. So ran for the Lady Razorbacks. <laughs>、um, that has to be crazy、years. to go from South Africa to Arkansas. Yeah, hold on, wait. I want to go back real <laughs>、yeah. quick. So, okay, you do this first fifteen hundred meter race, and then all of a sudden, your mom's like, "Let's get you a coach." Like, did you win? Like, was was she like, "You are very talented. We need to pursue this," or was this more on you? No, it was more on me.、Um, my mom actually was a distance runner in South Africa. She's never run on the track before, but she.、Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Two Oceans Marathon or the Comrades yeah. Ma- yeah. Marathon. They're both ultra marathons in Cape Town, in South Africa, and、um, she 
had done a lot of those and had a lot of success with them. So she kind of knew, she she knew like the landscape of, of running and ultra running, but she really didn't know how to guide me on the track. Sure. And that's why she kind of like wanted to pass me on to someone that did know what they were doing on the track. But I will say this all came from me. Like my parents didn't want me to move to Stellenbosch and become a weekly boarder. Sure. Like that was... That was purely my decision. Um, yeah, they definitely have never been pushy. They, but here's the crazy thing. You mentioned yeah. earlier that you have a sibling. Yes. And so you're not, it's not like they had one kid that they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take her in the car, drive an hour back and forth. So two hours of driving for your mom. She probably stayed for the, yeah, for the coaching because yeah. it wasn't worth you know driving back. Like this is a, she's putting in a ton of investment in you as far as time as a parent. Like, that's a lot. Like, what are your brothers and sisters? Is, is it, how many siblings do you have? Just just the one. No, it was a lot. I mean, I think that's why I chose to be a boarder was like, I felt like I couldn't put this on my mom. Like, it wasn't sustainable what we were doing. And then on top of that, I felt like I needed to be doing it more often than just twice a week. Um, so yeah, it was it was a huge commitment from my mom. I mean, both my parents, they really have given me every opportunity to pursue the stream um, of being a professional runner and representing South Africa on a global stage. Um, and my sister, she's amazing. Um, Natasha, she's running her second marathon in a few oh, wow. weeks at the New York City Marathon. Nice. Um, I'll be there. Yeah, but she's she's like my biggest supporter. She's amazing. I I as an adult now, I do have some regret about the decisions I made growing up because I feel like I made my sister be an only child. Um, oh. When she was about like 11 years old, I moved out of the house. Um, and that at the time, I wasn't really thinking about other people and their sacrifices that they were having to make for, for me and my running. But now looking back at it, I'm like, wow, like my sister didn't have her big sister there. And then even when I came to the States, you know, I was 18, 19. So my sister was like 15 and I missed being there for like things like her first boyfriend and her prom uh, and, you know, things like that. Yeah, and, but you got to figure that what she got out of it was, hey, my big sister is a champion. She's out there uh, killing it. And she probably gets a little afterglow from that. You know, you get some uh, you get some of that special feeling of having someone in your family be you know, an Olympian so. and everything like that. I would. I, hope so. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she's amazing. She was out in Chicago cycling along the course, cheering me on. Like, I definitely don't think she has any resentment towards me. Um, but yeah, definitely my parents and my sister made a lot of sacrifices for me to pursue my dreams. Yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you mentioned comrades. And I actually, I had signed up and been accepted to go run comrades at one oh, point. Oh, wow. I broke my foot. And I lost $3,000 in like <laughs> airplane tickets and oh, hotel no. and all that stuff. But that's my sad story. But yeah. for you, like, okay, so now you're into distance and now you've only run the two marathons. Yeah. But like, is there a future dream of like, <laughs> come on, going home and winning the two oceans or winning comrades? Like those are iconic marathon. Those are, yeah. they're not marathon, they're ultra. Ultras, it, it, yeah. Like those, those are iconic. Is it, is that entered your mind at all? Oh, it's weird, Thomas. Like definitely growing up, I mean, that is like the pinnacle of the sport in South Africa. The two oceans actually almost goes past my parents' house, the house that I grew up in my whole oh, life. Wow. Um, 
So yes, it would be amazing. But I will say that now dipping my toes into the marathon world, I don't know how realistic it is. It's like, I've had to make so many changes this year to transition from track to marathon. And I have still so much more to grow and learn and to change in just trying to get good at the marathon that I feel like it would take such a long time for me to get my legs ready to run those distances. Well, yeah, I I would say like I would think comrades and that kind of stuff would be towards maybe later, later in your marathon and career. Like we're talking, I don't don't even know how old you are, but probably 10 years from now or something (laughs) like that. My husband might leave me if I'm still <laughs> at a high level in 10 years, but it is a cool dream. It would be very cool. I think. Come I'll on, Cameron, with... get a, get with the program. <laughs> Maybe I'll start with the Cape Town City Marathon um, <laughs> right. and then we'll see from there. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. You said that you had multiple offers after. Are you going to make it? I'm, I'm, I'm almost died. <laughs> okay. Really um, that you had multiple offers after high school um and you obviously chose university of arkansas what was that decision how did you make that um well it was pretty easy so i was fortunate enough that a few of the colleges that were recruiting me decided to split a the cost of a recruiting trip for me to fly out from south africa Um, This is one of my husband's favorite stories, just because it is so random. So as an 18 year old, I flew by myself because my parents were like, when you get to the States, you're going to be by yourself. So we want you to, you know, be a grown up, make this, this decision by yourself. I was pretty terrified. I asked my mom to ask the coaches for a picture of who was going to be picking me up from the airport because I was like, I'm just flying to places I've never been before. (laughs) I don't know who's picking me up. Um, So I had like a little picture of all the different coaches but anyway I flew from Cape Town to Europe and then Europe across to my first stop was Pullman Washington uh the Cougars the universe uh Washington State and it was February it was freezing cold I was coming from Cape Town summer so that was a big adjustment and my suitcase didn't make it over through the trip so I got to Pullman freezing cold with like in my summer clothes with no suitcase um my host like one of the girls on the team was very gracious to give me some running clothes and like you know fresh change of clothes to use but i figured they'd take you to the school store and just you know you get everything you possibly want i feel like today they would but in 2010 or whenever it was like that wasn't something they probably could even do. You know, the rules have changed so much. But my host didn't give me a pair of gloves. So the next oh, no. morning, this was like the the end of uh, uh, Washington State because, um, or the chances of me going to Washington State <laughs> because they took myself and another recruit. It was a guy um, out to this dirt road to do a run. And I had like a fart like workout that I needed to do that my high school coach had given me. And it was so cold. I don't know what the temperature was, but once again, coming from Cape Town summer, like probably seen snow twice in my life before to uh, Pullman, Washington in February. It was freezing cold, didn't have gloves. And like halfway through my run, my hands were purple. And I got in the van, the coach's van. I was like, I can't run anymore. Like I can't feel my fingers. And from that moment, I knew that there was no way I was going to be able to go to Pullman (laughs) and be happy and 
last four or five years in. So did you draw um, a line across the United States and be like, I'm not going above (laughs) this line? (laughs) Pretty much. I was like, well, that's done. That's taken out. And then I went from Pullman to Arkansas and Arkansas at the time was actually having a snowstorm too, but at least it wasn't that cold. It was snowy, but it wasn't that cold. Um, and they had their Tyson indoor track meet that weekend, which is kind of just unfair because the Tyson indoor, um, track meet is like such a historic, cool event, especially in the past. It's kind of weakened a little bit in the past few years, but it really used to be a really cool event where there were a lot of pros that came in. So I was, you know, at Arkansas watching this incredible indoor meet um, on their amazing facility, in their amazing facility. Um, So that was kind of unfair. And yeah, I really got along with Coach Harder and all the girls and I met Cameron on my recruiting trip. Um, So I think I kind of already knew leaving Arkansas that that's where I wanted to be and that's where I could see myself. Um, But after that, my last stop in the States was Nebraska, the Huskies. Mm. Um, So Cameron just thinks it's like the funniest story because I had no idea where (laughs) I was going. And he's like, you couldn't have chosen three more different and yeah, places slash universities. Like it's just so random. I would figure if you told me to go to Africa. Yeah. I wouldn't know where to go. Linda, exactly. and if Thank I ended you. up in South Africa <laughs> and then Zimbabwe, <laughs> you know, it'd be a little different. Right. Exactly. That that's how it was. I was in Egypt. I just chose to visit schools that I had enjoyed chatting with the coaches over the phone. Um, back in like 2010, they were allowed to phone you once a week. That's like as much as they were allowed to chat to recruits. And I just really liked chatting to those three coaches. Um, so those were the universities I chose to visit. But yeah, after that trip, it was pretty clear in my mind that I wanted to be a Razorback. Okay, you met Cameron on your recruiting trip? Mm-hmm. What, what like, explain that. He works fast. <laughs> yeah, like, he did got, work pretty fast. He's like, I've got your luggage. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was, like, a little um, sneaky because, or I guess I was too, because, yeah, we met each other just, like, one evening at, like a track party I remember him telling me like me introducing myself and he's saying like Dominique wow that's such a pretty name so that stood out in my head he doesn't remember that story um (laughs) but then I do remember he was almost 21 and him asking me if I wanted a drink and I was so offended because as a runner I was like good runners don't drink because I was still type A in high school. So I was like, so I was a little turned off by that, but then went home to South Africa. And this is back in the day of Facebook. I'm also dating myself here. And after I signed with the University of Arkansas, I was on Facebook and I was inviting people to be my friends that I'd met on my recruiting trip. And I invited Cam and he accepted my friend invite. And I for whatever reason, kind of felt embarrassed about it. So I sent him a little message and I was like, thanks for accepting my friend request. Not sure if you remember me, but um, I guess yeah, we're going to be he teammates. remembered you. Cam's <laughs> <laughs> probably like, score. Yeah. Uh, ask like, him how I many guess. friends that he showed that he got a friend request from you. He's probably passed it around. Here. Yeah, I think yeah. he's pretty stoked. And then... 
Um, we just started chatting via Facebook DM and then it was my birth. So I decided, so in South Africa, the school year goes from January to December, like a calendar year. And so I graduated from high school in 2010, December, and then I waited six months in South Africa before coming over to the States and starting school year. I just really wanted to be a freshman, an incoming freshman with the other incoming freshman. Right. Freshman. Yeah. So in June of 2011, like right before coming over to the States, it was my birthday and Cameron reached out to my sister to get my mailing address and sent me flowers for my birthday. So uh, he was working hard. He was like, wow. Dang. <laughs> Way to you, go, Cam. Cameron, man. <laughs> mailing it in. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, he did a good job. So he was always... Um, and then, yeah, when I got to the States, we almost started dating immediately. So him and my coach, Coach Harder, had this running joke of like, who actually convinced Dom to come to the States so was yeah. or to the University of Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about because like Arkansas, there's a couple teams that seem to have really tight bonds in track and field. And Arkansas is one of them. Um, what was it like coming in as somebody from South Africa to this team? And like, are you still bonded to the women that you ran track with or, or I guess the men as well on the track team, right? Cause Cameron's still there, but, um, yeah. yeah like what is your feeling and, and emotional tie to the, to the university and the team? Um, you know, I had such a special experience at the university of Arkansas. Like I will always be so grateful to what the university gave me, you know, giving me, they gave me a full ride. Um, so they gave me a tertiary education. Um, they gave me the stepping stone from high school to elite running. So I'm so grateful to them. When I got to the States, I was not the best runner on the team. I wasn't even the best freshman on the team. Like I really had to work my way up um, to being one of the leaders on the team. And I felt like the girls that were on the team when I first got there were such great leaders. Um, even though they may have not been national champions at that stage, there was already this very tight bond of we're running for each other and um, lifting each other up. And they gave me kind of like the framework to follow to try and be the best runner I could be. Um, so I was always very grateful for the upperclassmen when I was um, a freshman and a sophomore and also very grateful to coach Harder because I felt like he gave me the opportunity to prove myself. It wasn't like I came over and that first semester wasn't running as fast as he would have liked. And he sent me home, you know, he really gave me time to grow. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. I definitely obviously dating Cameron, who was two years ahead of me on the team. I was friends with a lot of the guys on the team, the Arkansas, um, program is one of the few programs in the States where the men's and the women's programs are separate. So they both have different head coaches. Um, so usually you don't really interact or mix or lap over with the boys. And the and if you're on the girls team, you don't really interact with the guys, but because of Cam and obviously um, hanging out with him and his friends, I did get to know a lot of those guys. And yeah, I think, you know, five five years is a big chunk of your life like it goes by quickly but it is also a big chunk and it's a very special time um so I'll always just have so much love for all those people that 
you know, I went through that phase with. And yeah, I am very friendly still with a lot of those girls. Like um, a few of them live in the area and we'll get together every so often. Um, but I think it's more, it's more of the type of friendship that no matter how much time passes, you will always be so close with them and you can always jump on the phone or see them and feel like, you know, long All last right sisters. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you come from South Africa, which I'm sure you guys have some cool stuff there. <laughs> like you, you end up in Arkansas. Like we were talking to, uh, who were we talking to who liked the IHOP and the um, Josh, uh, Josh Kerr. Kerr. So we were talking to Josh Kerr and uh, he's, he's from the UK and he, he came over and was like, he's like, your fast food over here was amazing. I was going to IHOP with a, a Little Caesars pizza. Yeah, he was and, really and going And sitting for it. at the table at IHOP eating pancakes and his Little Caesar pizza at the same time. What was something that was different that you enjoyed uh, when you got here and weren't expecting? Oh, my goodness. Um, so many things. Definitely fast food is like, something that's yeah different to South Africa like we obviously have McDonald's and KFC but one you don't really visit them very often or frequently <laughs> um they aren't on every corner uh you know street corner like they are here um so that was definitely fun when I first moved here and I definitely picked up the freshman 15 which I don't think is necessarily <laughs> a bad thing it just did happen um I can remember like sonic drinks or even just like um fountain sodas you can't get free refills in South Africa so I thought that was like the most fun thing that you could order a soda and just keep getting free refills switch it up uh, yeah <laughs> that's probably the thing that stands out in my mind the most that's so funny okay and then on the opposite um side of things like what did you miss most um from South Africa over here uh, uh honestly like it's probably like a little bit of a cliche answer but just friends and family. I mean, yeah. back then we didn't even have FaceTime. So the only way I was chatting with my family was Skype, um, which wasn't as easy or convenient mm. to use as FaceTime. And then the time difference just made it so hard. Like in the summer, I think in, in central time, it was like seven hours and in the winter it was eight hours. And that's a, that's a large chunk of your day that the other person is sleeping when, you know, you're awake or vice versa. Um, so it was just hard to keep in contact with friends and family. And that definitely made things difficult. Um, honestly, Cameron and his family was such a blessing to me um, for so many different reasons. But one of the things Cameron really helped me with was when I came to the States, I was desperately trying to stay in contact with my high school friends in South Africa. Like, obviously, those were the friends I'd had for the past like 10 years. And yeah. uh, those people were really important to me. But I was, I almost like wasn't fully present in the States, because I was so desperately trying to um, keep up those friendships and relationships, that I went home the first December um, as a freshman and Cam actually came with me, which is a whole nother story, but he came with me. We'd only been dating for like six months, but I wanted him to come home and see South Africa and meet my parents and sister. And I was driving all over like the Western Cape in South Africa to see my friends that uh, were in the area or were on holiday with their families during the two weeks that I was at home. And I think Cam saw how hard that was for me and how much how I was like spreading myself so thin between so many friendships and trying to see my family um, over, you know, this very short, finite amount of time that I had at home. And he kind of just encouraged me and gave me the advice to 
not let those friendships go, but just truly invest in my time in the States and make sure that I was being present in the States and maybe put a little bit more emphasis on the new friendships and relationships that I was making in the States. Um, and that was such amazing advice for me because it really, I guess maybe I felt a little bit guilty about not about trying to about like, I felt like I needed to keep those friendships going in South Africa. But when he told me that it almost made me feel like, okay, I can like be present in the States and it doesn't, it's not me neglecting my friends and family back home in South Africa. It's just me taking full advantage of this opportunity I've been given in the States. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were a little homesick. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shorter way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) And Cameron was like, screw those people. You're with me now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Forget about your past. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. So we get we get to Arkansas. Obviously, you run well. It leads to some cool stuff that you get to represent your country. Yeah, which is South Africa. Is it? That's a weird thing for me. It's like because we talk to different runners that are running here in the states, and obviously in Boulder, you're running with a bunch of them. Uh, Ashley Prattlier, uh Aisha Prattlier, I'm sorry. And then um, you know, there's a, she's running for Jamaica. You're running for South Africa. Is it strange to like? Is it distracting to be like, here's what you have to do in the States and here's what I have to do for South Africa? Or are you like, I'm focused on hitting the standards for what I need to do for for my country? Um, Personally, I think sometimes I feel a little bit guilty about how it's easier for me to make a team to represent South Africa. You know, South Africa is a much, much smaller country than the States. So we have a lot less competition. Um, So usually if I hit a standard and meet the other requirements that South Africa has put in place, whether it's going to their trials or championships or, you know, running a certain amount of races in South Africa, then I will be put on the team. Whereas obviously we know for the U.S., they're, you know, 20 odd people that have qualified for each and every event and they're having to perform on one certain day to make that team be in the top three under a lot of pressure. And I think being on team boss, I often find myself feeling guilty that I don't have to um, go through all of that to make a team. Um, But then on the flip side, if you make an American team, you, I think there is more um, respect that's given to you, as well as there are a lot more perks. Um, You're being financially supported, you're being supported just better when you get to those championships. Um, So it's a lot harder. I think there's a, yeah, I would think it's a trade-off for for you doing what you're doing, you're representing your country. So that's great. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, I, you, that's the talent pool you have to compete against. This right. is what you're going after. Own it. That's great. It is. I, I think though, it's kind of like when you're, you know, big in a small city and then you go to New York, you're going to have, you could still be great there, but you're going to have to compete with more people to, right. to, exactly. to get there. And, and when it comes down to it, you can make the Olympic team, but when you get there, you still have to compete against the people right, who made exactly. the U.S. team and all that stuff. So you still have to throw down. Right, exactly. And I do feel 
you know, one, it would be very hard for me to switch alliances from South Africa to the States. Like that's not an easy process. Um, but also I am very proud to represent South Africa, like sharing my story. It is the environmental, the uh, structure that I grew up in. And it's the uh, place that gave me opportunities. And I, you know, kind of took those and rose above and decided to keep pursuing my dreams even even was when it wasn't like the easiest route um and and i am south african you know so yeah yeah so yeah question about that in like 2010 it seemed like there was a lot of up like upheaval in in south africa a lot of crime or something was going on where i started noticing that there was a lot of people coming to the u.s from south africa um, what is the climate there now? And is it like Meg's brother went there and loved it, was absolutely fell in love with South Africa and, and thought it was amazing. Um, but what is it like? Is it still, would you say America is, or the U S is more, um, unstable or it's everybody has issues and you just deal with them in South Africa differently? <laughs> No, I mean, definitely everyone does have issues. Like we all know that. Um, but unfortunately, I say say unfortunately, because I would love to say that this isn't the truth. Unfortunately, living in the States is a much safer and a much easier lifestyle. Um, in South Africa, there still are a lot of um, hardships, even if you can't afford them. Um, so since 2010, I would say the crime has not got better. I don't think I would be a professional runner if I lived in South Africa. Like I would mm. have to have someone cycling or driving alongside me on most of my runs. If I was, you know, going further than maybe like three miles from the house, like that just isn't something um, that you can do by yourself as a female. Um, I would never be able to like run with headphones, you know, things like that or run in the dark. Um, since 2010, South Africa now deals with, um, blackouts which is when there isn't electricity so for certain hours of the day you don't have uh, electricity um, so a lot of businesses um, and households have got what's called an inverter um, so you're like able to generate power even when there's a blackout um, obviously this has hurt the economy even more south africa was already struggling but when businesses aren't able to run for certain hours of the day, you know, producing product or working and having Wi-Fi and working computers, like it really hasn't helped the economy in South Africa. Um, also doesn't help the crime because when you don't have electricity, your like electric fence isn't working and your security cameras aren't working. So that mm. hasn't been great. Um I think two years ago, uh, two years ago, we had a really bad uh, drought in our winter. So people didn't even have running water. Like even my parents, you're having to shower and collect the water that you have in buckets and then use that, wow. those buckets to like, yeah, whether it's like watering your plants or washing, you know, something that isn't, you know, uh, for hygienic reasons. Um, it's, it's not the easiest life in South Africa, for sure. It is one of, if not the most beautiful place I've ever been. Um, and I've got to go to a lot of really cool places. Cape Town is very, very special with its mountains and its beaches. It's really incredible that the people, the South Africans that are still living in South Africa, um, it's not the easiest life. 
that's rough. Yeah. yeah. Is your um, does your family ever think about joining you over here in the states? They all have to get uh, they have to get scholarships to Arkansas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, and then meet Cameron. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff has changed um, in the past couple months. So Cameron sponsored me my green card, which then turned into citizenship. And when I got my citizenship in 2000, uh, 2019, I was able to sponsor my parents their green cards, which just came through a couple months ago. So my parents actually are now green card holders, and they've spent the past six months in the States. My dad oh, just awesome. flew. Yeah, my dad are you just all flew in Colorado? South Africa. Yes, they came here. It was it, it was the first six months that they've spent in the States. So they just rented out their house in Cape Town, came over here. Green cards are kind of like a use it or lose it situation. So you kind of have to like drop everything and go. You can't, um, you don't have too much time to like get everything in order. So they came over here to Boulder and they were renting a friend's apartment for the summer. Um, my mom is still here because she's going to be running New York Marathon with my sister next month. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I think they're kind of going to be like snowbirds this year and come back to the States uh, next like March or April when the weather starts to turn around again. So yeah, That's I'm very awesome. lucky. Get- Things have changed a lot recently. I was going to say, with your mom and sister running New York, are, they're not affiliated with Adidas, right? No. They can come to our shakeout run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they would love that. You need to send me the details of it, and I'll pass All right. it on to them. They'd yeah. love that. I mean, yeah. we, we accept it. You could even come with Adidas, <laughs> but it is it is a New Balance-sponsored uh, oh, gotcha, event. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, no, yeah. they are not affiliated with Adidas, and they also don't really have any community, um, and I know oh, New well, York is like all of our communities, so that would be great. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, we got to get them We will definitely there. give you the stuff. It, it's going to be insane. Like uh, the people that are coming, you know half the people. So, Oh, and, cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, while we're talking about Adidas, when did they come into the picture? Um, so I was really lucky. They were kind of like the the first company that was interested in me in 2016. They were kind of like the first company that put their foot in the door and then it ended up that uh, they were the company that I wanted to work with and gave me the best offer that I well, that I thought was the best offer. So right in 2016, when I graduated from Arkansas, I signed a professional contract with them and now I'm on my second cycle with them. So yeah, I've been very blessed to run with them, run for them for I think like seven years now, seven, eight years. Yeah. All right. So I have my favorite adidas that are not just for the marathon because we talked a little bit yeah. about marathon shoes what is your daily trainer what is your favorite shooter put in your garbage miles so i used to do the solar boost or the solar glide those were kind of interchangeable for me i know they're not identical shoes but they were both usable for um junk miles but now i am a huge fan of the sls i, I don't oh. know if you've tried them yet yes but yeah, i love the them Okay, I was hoping that you would say the Boston 12 because the Boston 11 <laughs> was no good, but the Boston 12 is a really good shoe. So but Boston, it might be. The Boston 12 only came out, what, like a few months ago? And it was kind yeah. of while I was training for Chicago. So I didn't really want to mess around with a new shoe. But maybe now. now thanks, Thomas. That's let's, a good idea. let's get on that. <laughs> well, yeah. we call it like it's a super trainer. So it's, yeah. we, we say it's got the all the components of a fast day shoe, but in, you know, it's, it's dumbed down a little bit so that it's really good for eating up miles. I really like it for that. Um, but the SL 
SL is a great deal just on like price point. Price, it's like 120 yeah. brand new. You can probably get it on sale for less than a hundred bucks. And yeah. That, yeah, you probably go through those. How many pairs of those have you had? Oh my goodness, a lot. Yeah, like, like 20. Yeah, I was going to say. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely go through them quicker. Like they're not, you know, the most like sturdy shoe. But if you're yeah. a mutual runner and you just want something that is super comfortable, super lightweight, I freaking love it. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I agree. Yeah. What, co what color is your favorite colorway? Ooh, I love white shoes, like white or like yes. a light gray. Like, All it's white. So clean to me. So clean. Yeah. I was talking to um, my boss at Adidas, Spencer Nell, and I it was at the um the peach tree this summer, the peach tree 10K, and I had a pair of white SLs with like the black logo. Oh, they looked so good and they were so Perfect. clean and fresh. And I was like, Spencer, you guys need to make more shoes in white, which maybe he listened to me because now the new pros are <laughs> yeah. white. But what? he he yeah. made a comment that the Kenyans and the Ethiopians hate white shoes because when they're training they do, on their dirt and clay rusty. roads. Yeah, 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 yeah. They get so dirty. And I was like well, yeah, that's true, but like, also, how quickly do we go through shoes? You know, <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and yeah, you can always—they're getting enough shoes. But this is what I'm wearing right now. Oh, so pretty. It's so it's pretty. all white. It's all white, Boston Eleven. But yeah, I, I do. I love a white shoe, and I feel like yeah. Adidas can kind of own it because, I mean, you think about Their the logo history is and so the clean. and yeah. the black and white sambas. Yeah. You got yeah. you know the whole thing. So. I, no, yeah, yeah, I, do, I, I really I dig love it. that. And then any lighter color shoe. I'm not a huge fan of black. It's probably my worst. Like, don't give Same. me a pair of black shoes. Yeah. Yeah, Same. my just, SLs like, feel are feel heavy. Right? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> light colored shoes are all light. I'm totally with Megan you. says that now, but you used to love black shoes. Yeah, I don't know. It, there's something wrong with me back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she got fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're lighter. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So it was fun during the Chicago Marathon. You were yeah, a little bit ahead of Megan, so yeah, uh, two forty-five. That's awesome! Oh my goodness! Yeah, but I got yeah. to so I got to see you, and then I yeah. could count down like, okay, when are we a gonna see Meg? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But I saw you like I got to see you at mile one and a half, three, fourteen, seventeen, and then I was in the grandstand at the finish. Goodness, you saw a ton yeah, of the race. That's awesome. Good job yeah. getting around the city. It was so much fun. And, you know, we, we it was really great seeing, uh, you know, it was just interesting to see how everything was playing out because we were watching, yeah. obviously, a person that you train with a lot, uh, Emma Bates. So yeah. it was kind of, you know, okay, where is everybody falling into place? Who's pacing who? Who was who uh, running with you? Um, Jackson Neff, one of my really good friends. He's a Olympic trials qualifier that he wasn't going to be running a full marathon this year because he's actually getting married this week, Friday. Um, oh, wow. But so he still wanted to be like training in, in the mindset of a marathon, but not doing it himself. Um, so it was just like the perfect setup. So he paced me. Yeah. And he used to live in Chicago, has raced Chicago. That was his fourth time. So oh, wow. he was so excited to go back and he was kind of like my little Chicago tour guide. It was great. Can you explain to me how that works? Like if he gets a pacer, the race yeah. allows him a bib, right? They say, yes. okay, you can pace. Does he cross the finish line or does he pull out at a certain point? Like what happens? 
Yeah, no. So, um, well, I can explain the whole pacing situation, how it works, because I'm also very new to the marathon, obviously, and I don't know how all of this works. My debut was in London. I didn't bring a pacer, just kind of like went with the flow. That was kind of the whole marathon debut. It was just like, let's just dump in, jump in the deep end and see how this goes. Was that the April one or the fall one? April. That was April. Yeah. Okay. And then coming into Chicago, I felt like, okay, I kind of now know what the marathon's about. I want to go into this one feeling more prepared, um, kind of having done my homework, done my research. And I remember Emily Sisson last year when she went after the American record, I think she had two or three of her own paces. And I don't know how that situation came to be, but it just made me aware of the fact that you could bring paces to Chicago. Um, so I chatted to a friend, Laura Thweed, about it, and she gave me her experience with it. And then I actually spoke with Tracy, who is the elite athlete coordinator of Chicago. And she said, Chicago, obviously they're a mass start, so they can have male paces and they will provide paces for the field. They pay those paces. But if you're wanting to bring your own pacer, they'll provide them with a bib and possibly like a hotel room that's what they did for jackson um and then i'm responsible for the rest so i paid jackson jackson and i kind of made just like a little agreement how much i would pay him for uh how far he went into the race how fast we ran if i got a record or not whatever um and yes he was able to cross the finish line oh that's cool does yeah, he he's so like it, an official it, time and everything okay that's what i was gonna yeah. say like he actually gets a finish time so it, it's it, it's funny. How did you feel about your second marathon? Like, how, how did it go? Um, you know, the marathon is such a special event. Coming from the track, this is like my my thoughts. The marathon is so special because no matter how fast or slow you run, I feel so content with my race because it literally takes everything in you. Every, like ounce of energy your heart your soul to cross that finish line so no i was not excited about my time 227 30 run one i honestly thought i was going to run a lot faster my training showed that i was ready to run a lot faster but i couldn't not be proud of the effort that i'd put in and be content with the result because I couldn't walk like my legs were so <laughs> sore and I had such bad tempo stomach, tempo tummy. So it was like, that's all I had to give. And that's yeah. pretty special coming from the track where so many times after a disappointing track race, I will be crying myself to sleep that night, which is so mm. sad to admit, but it's the truth because, you know, you'll work so hard and then you race for 15 minutes and you just feel like maybe you weren't in the right mindset or you didn't feel amazing. And you cross the finish line, you're obviously tired, but you're not in the state that you are after a marathon where you can't walk down the stairs and you're, you know, just in so much pain and discomfort. And so coming to the marathon, I just feel like, yeah, there's no crying myself to sleep. There are no shed tears because it's like, well, that's what I have to give. See, I always thought it was kind of the opposite because I looked at track and I'm like, okay, you work out, you have a bad race, you reload, you're back up in a week, two weeks. Whereas a marathon, you train for three, four months, maybe longer. And the day is the day, whether it's hot that day, whether yeah. you, you get cramps, 
uh, stomach issues, whatever it can be, you've got one shot. And then when it's over, it's not like you can reload the next week and be like, I'm going right back at it. Right. And that is what makes the marathon so hard and such a hard pill to swallow because definitely after Chicago, Chicago, even after London, I felt like I'd learned so much in the race that it was like, no, if I can, if I can just use this fitness I have and go and race next yeah. weekend, if my body wasn't <laughs> totally tr- trashed, if I could use what I learned and go and do that again next weekend, I you know, know I would run it. faster. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's it's a demon. That. Yeah. What um? What did you like? What were some of the key takeaways out of London that you applied in your training for Chicago? So London, it honestly almost felt like there was so much that I needed to correct and learn from and um, change that going into Chicago, I honestly feel like I changed as much as I could. They were still some things after Chicago that I was like, damn, man, I need to do this better. But London, one was my fueling. Um, I totally bonked. I was not getting in enough Mm. carbs. We didn't really do too much like testing with different with well we didn't do testing with any different fuel sources we just did one fuel source before London and I was only practicing taking it every five miles during my long runs I wasn't taking it during workouts and then I got to London and obviously the elite tables are every five kilometers like every three miles so that's Mm. a lot more often than every five miles and it was just like I felt so unprepared with the fueling we decided to just every 5k take my bottle with my gel and just take a little bit of the gel because we weren't really sure how my stomach was going to react to taking a gel every 5k which in hindsight like that was so silly I was going to the London marathon I need I should have done better um but then around probably 23 24 miles I totally bonked and had no energy and I was looking for anything that could give me some type of sugar um I also didn't take any caffeine on course So that was something I corrected for Chicago. I was really, really intentional about practicing my fueling. I think my fueling went pretty well. I didn't feel like I didn't feel the need to grab my last bottle with about a mile to go. So I was happy with that. Um, Another thing that I felt like I needed to change was my mindset. Um, Going into London, I actually took Emma Bates' advice and obviously everyone is so different. But Emma likes to use the crowd the first half of the race. She's like feeding off the energy and waving (laughs) and blowing kisses. And that's so Emma. And I love that. And I wish I could do that. But I then got to halfway and I'd almost like used extra energy um, doing that. And I felt like the better approach for me would just be turn off my brain for the first half. Like just relax, find the pace, find the rhythm. Don't look at my watch. And then after halfway, you can kind of like listen to the people cheering for you and use that motivation to keep going. Um, And yeah, there was, there were, we changed training. My training front before London and before Chicago were two totally different plans. Like Joe and I totally changed that around. We changed, we tried to change my form as best as we could. We felt like my my form on the track is a pretty like poppy peppy um stride and i felt like after london i felt like that just isn't sustainable for 26 miles so we kind of tried to change my 
form and style into more of like that marathon shuffle like Emma Bates has so beautifully uh, perfected. Um, really doesn't look like a shuffle when Emma's doing it. But <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're talking to me. The, <laughs> yeah, but her feet barely come off the ground. Uh, they really yeah. do. They're kind of just propelling her forwards. So there were a lot of things that I did try to correct. And I feel like I changed as many as I could. Immediately after Chicago, I felt like I didn't have the right maybe mindset or like mind preparation for the second half of the race. I got through the first half of Chicago feeling really comfortable. I came through halfway right around what I'd come through the halfway in London and uh, 72.20. I think in London, it was closer to 72.15, but right in that range. This time around, I felt so relaxed. London, I was already stressing, couldn't believe I still had 13 miles to go. Um, Chicago, I felt really relaxed and really comfortable. But then you can't run relaxed for 26 miles. And I think in my head, I was like, no, I'm just going to be as relaxed as I can. I'm going to be as conservative as I can. And then I'm going to feel better these last six miles mm -hmm. compared to London. <laughs> no, exactly. No, <laughs> no. You're never going to feel good after running 20 miles. That's what Matter I of fact, as soon as yeah. I go, you know, just be relaxed. As soon as I say that in my head, I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I got through probably like 14 miles in Chicago, feeling really comfortable. And then we started running into that headwind, which somehow turned into a headwind the whole last 13 miles. Do you agree with me, Meg? Yes, yes. Yeah, sure. I don't don't know how that I happened. mean, to me on the sidelines, it felt fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Yeah. But I can remember Jackson, we turned... At like 13 and a half miles, you turn and you're maybe got like three miles heading in one direction. And Jackson was like, this is the windy stretch. This is the worst stretch, like tuck in behind me. So I tucked him behind him and we kind of eased off the pace. Um, but that was fine because we were so far ahead of all of our goals. Our big, big, big A goal had been the South African record, which is um, 225.28. And I, Joe and I really did think that was doable. Um, I think the only thing at the back of our mind was knowing that I didn't have much experience at the marathon, but that if everything went perfect and that if everything like clicked in my second marathon, that that was doable. Yeah, Anyways, the second half was just as relaxing as the yeah, first. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so Jackson and I kind of like slipped off pace a little bit. We thought it was fine because we were running into the wind, but then we turned and Jackson was like, great, we're through the wind and we like turn. And all of a sudden it was a headwind again. And he was like, I don't know how this is. And I tucked back in behind him. And by then, and so we kind of like were still in that slower pace. And then we probably got to like 17, 18 miles. And Jackson all of a sudden was like, we're off Amer uh, we're off South African record pace. And I, I, I didn't speak, but in my head, I was like, how can this be? We were like, two minutes yeah. ahead of oh. pace five miles ago but it happened so quickly and, and did that mess with your head it definitely did like I mean mm. obviously I'm glad he told me but it definitely it didn't make me feel great I was like shit like are the, you kidding okay me? that I was gonna ask you so you, it was shit I was going there's got to be a, a cuss word dropping <laughs> in your mind when you hear that <laughs> yeah no definitely at least the shit because you also at 18 miles 
at least in my two marathons, there isn't much you can do at 18 miles. It kind of feels like, shit, this is as fast as I'm running. Yeah. I don't think I can make up time at this point. Um, and so that's what I learned in the second one is, yeah. So got to that point. Then all of a sudden, like two miles later, Jackson's like, um, we're slipping off Olympic Paris Olympic qualifying standard. We got to go. And once again, in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? Now I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because we were so far ahead of South African record pace. The Paris standard wasn't even in my head about worrying about it. And now we're not even on that pace. And it just felt like every direction we were turning, we were in a headwind. And Jackson was mm. running a couple steps ahead of me, trying to get me to pick up the pace. And I just slipped into the slower rhythm and just couldn't get myself out of oh, it. Um, and, you know, you get to 20 miles and you're like, holy fuck, I have six miles to go. Like, I still have like 30 something minutes of racing. You're like, how can this be? Um, so I think the most important thing I learned in Chicago was you can't feel good the whole race. You can't be relaxed the whole race, no matter how fit you are. And also that those last six miles are always going to suck. Like, because you've run 20 miles. So now if I could go back and run Chicago marathon this weekend, what I would do is I would try to get through halfway as relaxed as possible, just like I did. I wouldn't change anything the first half, but then I think I would try and use miles maybe 14 to 20 or somewhere in that chunk of time to really grind to be like okay this is this is when i got to stay on it like this is when it starts to feel hard when you can't quite see the finish line yet but you have to stay on it and then the last six miles i i think i've only run two but i think it's just how much heart do you have how much do you want it and you got to just kind of try to get to the finish line any way possible Oh, and one last thing is I think I also learned that no matter how fit you are, your body goes into almost like a survival mode those last couple of miles where your brain is telling your body, like, I am hurting, I'm shutting down, and I need to try and find a way before this next marathon to turn off that thought of, like, survival mode. And maybe it's by focusing on just the mile you're in, like not thinking of the race as 26 miles, but thinking of it as 21 miles. I just need to get to that next mile mark. And then when you get to 21, think, okay, I'm just getting to 22, but somehow trick your mind to not thinking it's needing to shut down and like preserve itself. That's well, what I, I did. I, well, I did the exact same thing, but I, it's twofold because I, I know your pacer was trying to encourage you, but getting that negative feedback of we're slipping is causing you to go into survival mode because sure. you're, it's almost like this dream is gone. Why would I put myself through this pain now? And yeah, so it's no, so right. hard to turn that off once that mindset. I get I pace Meg there. every once in a while, and I know never to say anything <laughs> remotely negative. If she's running a little slow, I just say, hey, let's pick it up a little bit. Let's yeah. go a little fat. Do you have it? Do you, can you kick a little bit more? Let's yeah. do a little more kicking because the second it is, and it, it's, I'm, I'm actually the same way, even at my, my pace. Like if someone tells me, uh, you know, I'm falling behind or falling off, I, I go into this panic mode uh, yeah. versus that. So I, yeah, maybe that's I something to play with. For sure. And like, I am never 
Jackson, it was his first time pacing. You know, he was just doing it out of the goodness of his heart. I mean, I did pay him very well, but it was out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. So, and I didn't give him those those notes. I also didn't know how it would affect me. But in right. hindsight, I do agree with you guys. I also want to give a ca- caveat. I'm nowhere near an Olympian or even a fast <laughs> marathoner giving you advice. So don't listen to me. But- no, no, no. But you guys have run so many more marathons yeah. than me. And I really do respect that um, because, like I said, I'm having to learn as I go and just soak in as much advice and uh, wisdom as I can with this new event. I mean, I think it's funny. We talk to a lot of people in your position. Obviously, we've talked to Emma. We've talked to Kira D'Amato. We've talked to, you know, Emily Sis and all of them. And I do feel like one of the keys to getting success, successful in the marathon is figuring out how you need to talk to yourself during the run. Some people probably get, like I was like, when I first talked to Emma, I was like, is it good for you to get angry and like be mad at something? <laughs> and then you you try hard and she's like, actually, no, I run the best when I'm happy. Happy, yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. But we'll talk to another runner and they'll be like, yeah, I'll focus on somebody I hate. And I'll just be <laughs> like, just run this down, gonna kill him. You know, that kind of stuff. So it is kind of like finding out a little bit of like when you get dark, what you need. Like, do you need yeah. that pep talk that's like, hey, you've got this. You're the most wonderful South African I've ever met. You <laughs> yeah. can you can do it. Or do you want like a, hey, we're slipping behind. You need to pick it up. For sure. Uh, and, you know, my husband, he will probably tell you that I run best when I have something to prove because they've been a couple of races. Um whether it's been like right before my contract's up or my Adidas contract or South Africa didn't put me on the Commonwealth teams and then a t- Commonwealth Games team and then I went and ran a race. And like some of those races have been the best of my career where I'm just ah, like, fuck you guys. Tip on the shoulder. But I think a happy runner is a fast runner. All right, I got two questions because we are gearheads and we do a nutrition podcast. So yeah. one is... Okay, so at uh, I believe in Chicago you were in like a black and white, like the half tights and um, or I don't they're probably not half tights they're probably shorter than half tights but <laughs> black and white shorts and and a, a, do you pick your own? Do they give you like here's a range of what you can wear or do you pick your own uh, kit for? So uh, also just being totally honest and transparent the whole gear situation before Chicago Marathon was kind of interesting because Adidas released their new uniforms early this year. They came out with two new colorways. One is the navy blue and like it has like red piping. Um, And that is the new uniform for the road. They have another one that's like shades of blue and that's going to be their track uniform for the new year. That's what at least I've been told. Okay. But because it was such a new uniform, they didn't have all the separate pieces ready. So they didn't actually have buns for me until I arrived in Chicago and they sent them directly to the hotel. So I opted to race in split shorts. Um, I had never raced. Yeah, I'd never raced before in split shorts. And I was a little bit nervous about it. But in the summer months, I usually almost only solely wear split shorts. I just find them really comfortable um, and good for your tan lines. (laughs) 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 So yeah, I was nervous about it, but the buns came in like the night before the race and I put them on. I was like, you know what? I've never raced in these before. I don't really want to mess with chafing tomorrow. So So these were basically your own shorts. No, they were, 
they were yeah sorry they were part of the new uniform it's just okay. um, i think most athletes would only be warming up in them i haven't seen too many athletes actually racing in them okay yeah so, so all right adidas is not as like emma i know she just races in like asic shorts that she's had for like five years that are her favorite asic shorts adidas is a little bit more like no here's our uniform here's you a can kit. pick okay. yeah we had um like spandex shorts the briefs or buns that came in the night before and split shorts. And I chose to go with the split shorts. Okay. Second question. Yeah. Cause I think people are, get shy and modest. You did track. So you're pretty used to like the buns and stuff like that. Yeah. What is it? Is it, are you self-conscious? Like when, cause it like you get out there, like I even know for me, two inch shorts. Yeah. Like I, I get a little, you know, is, <laughs> is it, is there, is there a preferred uh, like yes. fit that you yes. like? Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's like come with getting older or come with running longer distances, probably a little bit of both because, you know, the longer you're out there in these buns, um, the more chance there is of something going wrong or just feeling a little <laughs> bit intimidated. I way prefer like high, higher rise buns. I don't want something that's like going over my belly button, which a couple of the um, the most recent Adidas uniforms, they come with two options. They call them the sprint brief, which is higher, and then the distance brief, which is lower. Um, I've actually spoken to a lot of distance runners, and I think we'd like the brief to be somewhere in the middle. Um, uh. They can just often be super low rise. And yeah, you they, they look great on the track. But if you're racing, you know, the 5, 10K or marathon or half marathon on the road, you just want a little bit more coverage. And you're then, out there for a long time. Yeah, you're out there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then the super high rise, which is called the sprint brief. I, I will say, I will admit this. I am incredibly picky when it comes to my uniform, especially now racing the marathon. I just really want everything to be comfortable and fit well. And I don't like tight things around my stomach. Like I want it to hit me on my, I think your hip bones rather than yeah. like your waist. Yeah. And the sprint brief hits you on your waist. And I just don't like that tight feeling around my stomach for two yeah. and a half hours. I'm, so I'm waiting for the men to start wearing buns. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I more think, aerodynamic or whatever. Yeah, like I'm surprised. It actually seems like you know that makes sense. But uh, yeah, and, okay. So you get you have basically like it's in a color scheme, and they're like, "This is what's the kit yeah. for this year," and you get to pick the fit yeah. from that. Yeah, All right. Exactly. So two is nutrition. Um, you said that you played around last time, and you did some gel and some bottle. Now the great thing about being a pro is you get your nutrition out there on a table and you can do a liquid bottle and toss it when you're done. It's not like you have to carry it with you. Um, one, what do you use and how do you prefer to get your calories on the course? Yeah, for sure. Um, I hate sharing negative stuff, but I also am not sponsored. So I'll just be honest with your, your listeners. So maybe they can take some of my advice. So my first marathon and also every Everyone is different. I think that's like yeah. the most important thing to start with. Everyone uh, okay, likes legal, legal, things. legal, yeah, legal exactly. stuff out of the way. <laughs> this is like the small print yeah. disclaimer. <laughs> you're all special butterflies. Yeah, you're all special. You're all unique. Everyone's yeah. different. And also, I'm not paid to say this. Um, yeah. So in London, I use Chargel. I mean, sorry, I used um, UCAN, and that's because Emma used UCAN, yeah. and. 
it worked really well for her. I did like that it didn't give me any like spikes in, with sugar or anything like that. Um, but it oh, also, I love the spike. I know that's amazing. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't like that, when you said you were looking for sugar at the end of that. Yeah. I know what you were looking for. <laughs> I wasn't like excited for my gel because it wasn't like giving me any like energy punch um yeah punch and i can understand if you are really good at the marathon and you've been doing it for a long time i think you can could be the perfect option because your body is used to using all the fuel that you've been giving it for like the past seven days whereas me my body isn't quite at that level yet um quite, not quite as efficient as like emma's is um so in london i had you can on every uh, you can uh, gel strapped to every or taped to every bottle, and I had noon and water, which I had alternated. But I was also using noon sport that doesn't have any sugar in it, so it was more just like uh, the taste. It, so it has a little bit of electrolytes in it, but does, does it have, it have sodium? enough sodium? I don't. I don't even think it has much sodium. Uh, we, I like got the, you. I'm going to get you the uh, South African. <laughs> We're getting you the South African record. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> we so got this. this. Is, this We're is hooking London. you up with feathers. So I totally bonked. And it was actually um, Nell Rojas that I told the story to at a 10K in New York in the middle of the summer. And I, she was just like, what was your experience in London? And I told her and she was like, hmm, what was your fueling? And I told her and she was like, Dom, you totally bonked. Like you totally underfueled. So very grateful to Nell. She really helped me. Um, because, oh, I probably wouldn't have even changed anything going into Chicago. Mm -hmm. So Chicago, I was planning on trying like a range of different fuels that the first one that I actually tried on my first long run of the build was SIS and I really liked it. So SIS has a bunch of different gel products. They have their regular gel, which has like 22 grams of carbs, which is great. Then they also have a gel electrolyte or an electrolyte gel which is just higher in sodium and then they have their caffeine gels they have 75 milligrams and 150 milligrams obviously 150 way too much for someone of my size so what i did in chicago and what i practiced in workouts a ton was alternating between i in chicago i did a regular gel a electrolyte gel, regular gel, electrolyte gel. Then I think with like an hour to go, I took my first caffeine gel, regular gel, caffeine gel. And then I think I didn't take my last gel. So I got you're gonna two... You're going to kill us. You got to take the caffeine one earlier. Earlier? Earlier. <laughs> it it really? takes, it takes, yeah, it takes that long for it to get into your system. How so. Long? It, like We're, it like depends our, on metabolism, we, but we work with the sports dietitian and she always tells us to take the first one caffeine and then with an hour to go another caffeine at like the minimum. So like, but when are you taking your first one? Cause we get ours obviously at 5k. Like I would take it at the 5k. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> like you want wow. that punch. <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I had done it with an hour to go in all of my training runs so that's just, or a long okay. training run so that's just what i practiced don't take our word for it we're not dietitians <laughs> yes. okay but that we work with feathers and we do this fuel for the soul podcast so we've we I, we work with a licensed dietitian all the stuff all the letters at the end of your name we yeah. do this every every two weeks and then um but what she's gonna tell you to do and we'll hook you up with her because she'll get yeah. you straight but um she she's gonna tell you to practice it in your runs 
and you'll and but, you'll do, see but you it, said but, you yeah. did that throughout for yeah the but with Chicago the caffeine build. one yeah yeah like, like trying the caffeine if she's gonna try it earlier yeah but here's the no, thing no i mean i will take any advice i can get i will try it myself but i am very interested to to hear other people's advice because like i like i said i do feel like such a novice in this event i wish I wish that was not the case. I wish I could have just jumped into the marathon and it'd be like an instant click, but it hasn't quite. I don't been think like it that. is for anybody, but the, yeah. the great thing is though, for me, psychologically, once that caffeine one hits, I know that it doesn't go into my system right away. Yeah. But for some reason, my brain tells me it did. Yeah. And my brain goes, let's go. We got yeah. it. And I, I swear three minutes after I take it, I feel better. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'm just shocked that then that you would take it that early and only take mm. two. Hmm. Okay. No, I, w- I I take a little more. I probably do three. Okay. But I'm 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 175 pounds. Yeah. You know yeah. I can handle I can handle a little extra caffeine. <laughs> well, I'll definitely do some more research. Um, I realize we're way over our hour mark here, so I apologize, but thank you for hanging in here with us. And oh yeah, I I, 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 I could talk to you for like seven more hours, but we won't <laughs> keep you. Um. But how was Cabo? Oh, Cabo was amazing. Um, two years ago, my husband and I went to Mexico for my first time with my family. And I was just like, why wouldn't we come to Mexico like once a year? It was it's such an easy flight from Colorado. It's very affordable and it's always warm. And that's like the only type of vacation I really <laughs> want after training yeah. is to sit on a beach and like drink a margarita. So now this is the third time we've been to Mexico. Um, and it was great. Yeah, we did Cabo for the first time. I couldn't walk down the stairs. Luckily, there was an elevator in our, in our um, resort. So you made lots of use of that. But it was great. It was um, like the perfect, the perfect trip after a hard race and three months of being very, very focused. Yeah. Do, do you watch, um, what's it called? Paradise Island? Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> do you watch that? I know what it is, but I haven't watched Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> they spent a lot of time in Cabo. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's funny. All um, right. All right, Tom, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was super fun to get to know you a little more. And yeah, we're just, we're big fans and we're excited to keep following you. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on. Don't forget to send me the New York shakeout information yes. for my mom and we'll sister. Do. Also, you know, we interviewed Emma right before she started doing like kicking butt at the marathon. So this is probably <laughs> ah, going to work out luck. pretty well for you. <laughs> This is it's crazy. all up from here. It, yeah. Meg, where are we going next? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wait. Either, so. Okay. I think we know. <laughs> Meg doesn't want to say it. We'll say it offline. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. bye.